Hello and thanks for joining us on this beautiful spring day. Today we're talking about the NFL draft from a fantasy perspective, focusing on the running back position. Our live stream on draft day was a huge success and we hope you continue to join us through this quarantine by subscribing to IED Sports on YouTube and your favorite podcast app. I promise we're on all of them. I'm Bob and you're watching IED Sports. All right, we're back, Steve, and it's all left but the breakdown. Draft weekend was our first touch of real sports in quite some time. What did you think about the draft as, as from a technical and entertainment standpoint? We're going to get into the picks later. Yeah, so I thought I thought day one and two were definitely different, not, not just because you had the commission sitting in the chair just lounging, doing a wardrobe change almost every ten picks, but, you know, it... it it didn't have that fan element, and that's what always made the um, the draft so special because booing the commish, you know, that was always a big course, thing to do. And, and he cheesed it up with the with the whole, you know, having fans live stream in to boo the commish. I, I felt that that was just a little too cheesy. Day three, though, kind of felt the same. Um, again, just, you know, it, the only difference was is that they were live streaming through from their offices or living rooms and not from a theater filled with fans absolutely and i've been to the theater on day uh two day three day you know and and on and after that first afternoon you go there and it's like empty after day one i remember getting tickets and we didn't pay for them when the draft was in new york we just walked right in sat down and it was mostly empty of course you could see the the you know Player, uh, the players weren't there at that time. They're just a bunch of suits making picks. They try to bring cheerleaders from different teams in, but we're in New York City, and they brought the Philadelphia Eagles cheerleaders in. It's kind of <laughs> a little strange, but anyway, the draft is done now, and we're here to talk about the running back position, winners and losers. So I'm going to start this out, and the first player I want to talk about is Clyde Edwards Hilaire, rookie running back from the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, CEH, as he will be known in fantasy circles from now on, is a player that everyone's going to need to know. He's going 101 in some rookie drafts, and I don't think enough can be uh, said about a starting running back in an Andy Reid system, Steve. I expect him to pass up Damian Williams quickly on the steps chart. In college last year, he had 215 carries and 55 catches for over 1,800 yards and 17 total touchdowns at LSU. This man is going to be the real deal now. There are arguments against him. Um, Ed, from our um, live streams and from our draft show, said earlier that the perception around him is that he's smaller and slower than the other backs and doesn't have that same breakaway speed and advised us not to be too bullish right away. So, Steve, I went back and looked at the size of the running backs in Andy Reid's system who counted as the number one pack, and the size yeah. is only a height difference. It's, it's not really a weight difference. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire weighs in at a uh, five foot seven, two twenty. So that's a little guy. He's short, but two twenty muscle on a guy. He, <laughs> he's not stocky. small. He's not. He's not small. Five seven, two twenty is not small. Um, I looked at some of the other Andy Reid offense players just to compare. Kareem Hunt, two hundred one pounds. Shady during all those years in uh, Philadelphia, two hundred seven pounds. Brian Westbrook, remember when he was the uh, bell cow? Bell cow in yeah. quotes, two hundred and three pounds. They're all. 20 pounds lighter, and they're all four inches or more taller. So weight is not going to be an issue. He gets low. He's going to pack that punch. Um, what, what, what do they say? Like uh, it, force times acceleration? Math? No. 
I don't know. <laughs> you remember that. physics. Um, we're not we're not phys- we're not physicians. He I might mean, he may not have the speed to go around the outside, but he can run between the tackles. He can get it done and he's going to get the ball. They're gonna feed him there in Kansas City now. He can get low, he can get between the tackles. Not a bruiser, but you know where he's going in drafts right now? I like checked up his average draft position, Steve. You won't believe how low it is. Uh, Eighth round, 12th pick. uh, Wait. Eighth round, 12th pick. That is a value where he's at now. He's a winner because he was not a name running back going into this weekend. Unless you were a real college football fan, most people in their drafts, he was not supposed to be a first-round pick, not supposed to be a second-round pick. He moved all the way up, and now he is a household name. That is what we call... A draft day winner, Steve. <laughs> well, um, I, I mean, I'm just wondering. People are already putting together drafts. I might get this. What else is there <laughs> I, to do? I, I mean, this is the best time. <laughs> well, to continue on that, let's just go ahead and get into my first loser, which is Damian Williams. Because, you know, that's it, because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire being drafted in the first round shows the lack of the, that the team has in Damian Williams' durability. Like I looked at his, um, I I looked at Damian Williams' stats from last year. He played in eleven games, but he only started four or five of them. So he's, you know, and he only had four hundred and eighteen yards rushing. He had that injury, you know, um, so. My confidence, my confidence in him. It, 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 I never had much confidence in him. Remember when we did our rank, um, veteran rankings last year, and I didn't even have him in the top fifty. Like absolutely, I, that, that that that's how little confidence I had in Damian Williams and drafting Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, just you know, solidifies that. Yeah, I think when when Kareem Hunt had to go uh, away. We're just going to leave it at that for today. When he had to go away, Williams stepped up and was good over a small sample size. I was a little more Mm -hmm. bullish than most people on him going into last year. But you're right. Not only have, you know, being, you know, banged up uh, has been a thing throughout his career. It has. He he just he lost it. He 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 was not able to succeed over a longer amount of time. They definitely want a bell cow guy. I think he might start out maybe as a change of pace, catching out of the backfield guy. But if Damien Williams continues to to fall down uh, downhill like he did last year, I mean we saw other guys step up besides Damien Williams last year. We saw Darwin Thompson there, and that's why he he start he he was getting starts. Something is up. Yeah. In KC, and it is Clyde Edwards for that you want to own at the end of the eighth round. That is certainly a draft value. And not only is he that a fantasy winner, he's a personal winner too. I mean, he he rolled, he flew up the board above all the other running backs. Really, really good stuff there. Um, now, Steve, let's throw back to you because you have uh, a rookie running back winner. And I and like I think I think we might be looking at a Saquon first round rookie running back in, in drafts kind of thing with Cam Akers, it, the rookie running back of the Los Angeles Rams. And the thing is, Sean McVay's offense revolves around a healthy, elusive back. That's why Todd Gurley was so successful until his knee injury. And all draft reports I read, and when I watched tape on him, I saw that Akers can be that back and. He could adequately replace Todd Gurley. He played at Florida State. He had um, now he only had 200 carries his junior year, his final year. But 
you know, he he all he, he did have over 150 carries his first year for over a thousand, and um, I think he was splitting carries in 2018. I I can't remember, but you know, the one thing that I saw was that he could improve was his receiving, but he still had 30 receptions, and you know, so he does have all the tools necessary to succeed in a Sean McVay offense, the every down back for the Rams. Absolutely, he will not be without some competition in Los Angeles on a team that looks like they're kind of rebuilding a lot of weird moves that were made there this offseason, but maybe he can be the linchpin to bring it all together. He certainly, um, in my opinion, won't be the starter day one. You got Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson, a lot of talent left um, in front of him on that depth mm, I'm chart. Disagree. A lot of talent there. We're, we're, uh, we'll, we will find out soon. Right now he's going 11th <laughs> round, sixth pick in Italy, the 11th round in early, early fantasy uh, ADP. So. Yeah. Cam yeah, Akers, so, we'll see. so uh, like Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, Cam Akers, their draft value is just going to go up as hopefully training camp comes around and stuff like that. But we're, we're, I don't even know why we're talking about draft rankings this early. Why wouldn't we? Now, it's really funny you say that because I just checked on the ADP again. Clyde Edwards, Hilaire, now eighth round, third pick. Oh, geez. Eighth round, fourth pick. I'll tell you who's going there. You know who's going there? Todd Gurley. Yeah. And I'm locking in Todd Gurley as my next running back winner um i'm going to kind of piggyback on your your rams cam Akers win and, and talk about the other side the guy who left todd Gurley, had a big 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 contract but he got cut by the rams moves to atlanta signs a one-year show me deal 5.5 million up to 5.5 million dollars i think it's 3.5 guaranteed i don't see any competitors for him on this atlanta falcons depth chart whatsoever draft day comes mm-hmm. and goes and guess what they don't take a running back. That, to me, says that they are confident in Cod Gurley. Now, there's a difference between confident and confidence in a running back and ridiculous highest-paid running back in NFL history confidence. So while I think Todd Gurley was cut for good reason, I think he was also signed by Atlanta for good reason. Low risk, and he's going eighth round right now. Um, Again... Yeah, but you have to think that the guys who are doing these fantasy drafts right now are, like, pretty serious players. So when I say eighth round, like, it's not some, like, schlubs that are drafting in there. It's it's guys who know what they're doing. So Todd Gurley, Atlanta Falcons, fantasy winner. I see his stock going up this Okay. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Okay, now, next we're going to talk about the situation in Baltimore. We have a winner and a loser in Baltimore. We're going to kind of skip around out of order, Steve, on, on our picks. And I want you to talk about your pick with uh, J.K. Dobbins, winner or loser. I'm, I'm saying that J.K. Dobbins is the winner here, and he fits the Ravens' run-heavy system very well. You know, he can run in between the tackles, but he can also do outside stretch runs. And, you know, he has good speed, he has great balance and good body control, which is necessary when you're in a run-heavy offense. And he can hit those holes with speed, and he just has a good burst off the line. I'm watching some of his college tape, and he just hits a hole, and you just see him flash through the hole for the end zone. You know, the, the, the Ravens, they made their already dangerous running game even more dangerous with J.K. Dobbins. Absolutely. When I look at J.K. Dobbins, I just see the stats. 725 carries over three years. He had uh, almost 200, 230, and then 300 in three consecutive uh, years there. His receptions, 71 total, right around the 25 mark. Um, He has over 5,000 total yards in college, and he has 43 total touchdowns over those three years. So he is explosive. He's on all sides of the ball. And uh, I was playing Ohio State in the Big Ten, so guess what? He, He saw some defenses up there, too. When I see a loser, I think Mark Ingram. 
again, I'm kind of kind of piggyback on on what you took there. Mark Ingram is still on the Baltimore Ravens. He's uh, I think he's turning 30 this year, um, and I don't know what it is about Mark Ingram that makes teams after a successful season. <laughs> go back and draft a running back. I know, right? Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. I don't know what it is that these teams see in him. Um, We know that him and Sean Payton did not get along, and maybe there's a reason for that. But last year, he ran for 1,018 yards and 10 touchdowns. He caught 26 balls for 247 and another five. He had 15 touchdowns last season, almost 1,300 combined yards, and now he finds himself looking down the end of a rookie who's going to steal huge amounts of work Mark Ingram is a big fantasy loser mm-hmm. touchdown regression I don't think I need to say anymore I agree 100% okay now this next one is a bit of a reach and I want you to, to, to try to stay with me try to stay with me try to okay. stay with me here winner Nick Chubb from the Cleveland Browns he's always a winner in my book so I'm gonna I'm with you all the way so hear me out this one is about supporting cast Browns went out they grabbed an offensive tackle in Jedrick Willis. In the same offseason, they already signed tackle Jack Conklin away from the Titan. They are giving quarterback Mayfield every chance to succeed with the protection he needs to play the quarterback position. And you know who's going to be the major beneficiary? Nick Chubb. Chubb. Nick Chubb. <laughs> yeah. um, Hunt finished last season. Um, in a uh, Sorry, Chubb finished last season in a backfield duo with Kareem Hunt, who got mostly pass-catching work. From weeks 10 on, which is when Hunt came back from injury, Chubb averaged 17.7 rushes per game, 82 yards, which is right about what we want to see for a bell cow. You want to see 20, 25 touches in that zone. So he's right under that elite level. But he was uh, hitting holes, looking real good. And I think with even the slightest improvement from the quarterback position in Baker Mayfield's side, that leaves Chubb to take even more goal line work and to, to find himself more in the end zone. Um, for those worried about the timeshare, I would add that Hunt had only 5.4 carries a game while averaging 4.6 receptions. So we're talking 20-touch guy to a 10-touch guy. It definitely is a 66-33 split here in Cleveland. This is better a line and a better quarterback play, and I truly believe Baker Mayfield is going to have a bounce back here. He's not elite. He shouldn't be on TV. He shouldn't be the talking on every brand on the cover of Wheaties like, like he wanted to do last year. He's not that guy, but he's serviceable. Now, last year, Steve, a guy brought some stats, and this is really digging deep. Chubb was near the top of the NFL with 52 red zone touches. Only mm-hmm. three running backs had more. Do you know who they are? You can guess. Well, they're the big three. Well, I mean, one one has to be Zeke. One has um, to be Zeke. Who's the next? Uh, um, Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey. And the third one, you may not guess. I just talked about him. <laughs> you, uh, wait, it was Gurley? Todd Gurley. Oh, okay. Those were the three guys. Only three with more red zone touches. Do you know how many touchdowns he got from the red zone last year? Or how many total touchdowns rushing he got last year? Six. Uh, 52 yeah. red zone touches, six touchdowns. That is the near bottom percentage in the league. For someone with those stats, those stats, those numbers could literally double in 2022, literally double um, Nick Chubb, 2020 NFL draft winner. Um, let's take a little quick peek. I actually didn't write it down, but I have the, the thing pulled up. Chubb is going uh, second round first pick. And at second round first pick, oh, he will late. win you a fantasy league too at low. second round first pick. Um, I would love right now. You can take Tyree Killer, Julio and Nick Chubb on the turn. You could take Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon on the turn. No, I'm all about no, it. Sign no, me up. No, no, no. Sign me up. I, I but that's too low for Nick Chubb. That, I'm sorry, that's way too. Well, we will see. Two guys I really like there. Spoiler alert: Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon, heading into next season, both by additions in the, the offensive line. Uh, 
with Mixon, not only a new quarterback, but two new offensive linemen if you count the rookie who got hurt last year. So we got to move on, and we want to talk a little bit about another running back winner-loser combo. It's another rookie and veteran from the Detroit Lions this time. Steve, why don't you take this one away? So <laughs> I, I'm saying that DeAndre Swift is a loser because the Lions never have a 1,000-yard back and the last one was Reggie Bush. So I'm not holding out much for Swift here. However, Georgia does have a reputation of, pro- of producing NFL-ready backs, Gurley and Chubb being the uh, most popular examples. So I'm just going to say that he's a winner and that the Lions um, will most likely get out of the rushing malaise with um, DeAndre Swift. Absolutely. Now, um, in another fun fact, Kerryon Johnson in 2018 broke a 70-game streak where the Lions went without a 100-yard rusher. You would think just by accident over 70 games, you know, a 20-yard-a-game rusher breaks off an 80-yarder, add him up, and you get 100. No, 70 games in a row, that last player to run rush for 100 was Reggie Bush. So between Reggie Bush yeah. and Kerryon Johnson, there were no running backs to run for 100 in a single game carry on johnson was amazing talent at running back and i think that goes unquestioned yes exactly he also has played only 18 games over two full nfl season broke into the starting role looked great hurt out for the season same thing happened last year where he was out now carry on johnson if you look up his in-game stats those single little quite good performances are actually not indicative of his overall play he's averaging 59 yards on the ground and 20 yards in the air and half a touchdown a game that doesn't make him an elite running back, even if we like to think that he is this great talent. He just can't get the ball rolling, and it looks like Detroit Lions have had enough. They pick up DeAndre Swift, and neither one becomes that, you know, shining light on your fantasy football team in 2020. Uh, uh, I, I mean, we, I, I wrote down DeAndre Swift was a loser as a joke. I, I really think that DeAndre Swift... It, um. You know, he was the top running back. Pro- he was one of the top running back prospects of the draft. I think that he could easily overtake Carryon Johnson because Carryon Johnson always gets hurt. I think it's possible. It's just it's crowded for me anyway. We we saw Bo Scarborough get in touches last year, and that's before Carryon went down. Of course, when Carryon went down, he was probably one of the biggest pickups. They also uh, drafted Ty Johnson last year, and, and there there's nothing you know to say that. He's not a guy in, in that mix, too. It's just crowded for me. I like to take guys in that zone when I know they have upside, and I don't see really – I mean, Carrion Johnson has no upside. Is that is that correct? He has no more upside. Bye. That, Gone. That, that is, yeah, that's correct. The Swift is the one with the upside. You, you draft Swift, and you draft Johnson if he's still there as a hand. This offense – changed a lot this offseason they have uh kenny g marvin johnson damney Amendola. also signed geronimo allison last offseason uh so there are threats to go around on both sides of the ball matt stafford is still there and and this running back game who knows this is a team i really want to watch next season for their explosive players but not necessarily a team that i want to own very many players on at the end of uh but before each season starts we do a little segment like What's your favorite team to watch who you're not going to own players from? Or like, who are players you're going to watch on a really bad team? And this, this, is, this is what it's written for right here. Mm-hmm. Let's move over to another team with uh, some problems here in the uh, running back depth chart. And that is the Indianapolis Colts. Steve, <laughs> why don't you start with the loser? I mean, the, the loser obviously has to be Marlon Mack. 
the the Colts they drafted him with their first pick and uh, was it the first or was it their second pick in the second round? I I can't remember, but Taylor Taylor um, among many was seen as a first round running back. And Frank Reich, he really doesn't do running back committee. You know, I know that he go, I know that he comes from the Doug Peterson coaching tree, but Frank Reich, he he normally does the uh, main main running back role. So you know, in, in the Marlon past, Mack- we had wanted to see quite a lot more Marlon Mack and Naeem Hines in the same mm-hmm. game, and we never got what we wanted there. So uh, yeah, absolutely. No, and- Cool. We're just gonna it's gonna hang it out there. Okay. Obviously, the winner here is who the the rookie who was drafted, Jonathan Taylor. He ran the ball 926 times for 6,174 yards in college, scoring 50 touchdowns for Wisconsin over three seasons. In the year, he added 42 catches, um, 26 in his 2019 senior year for 407 and five touchdowns. He has some tread on the tires himself, so I'm not sure that he's going to be the back forever, you know. But he's 5'11 219. He's built like a workhorse. My only thing is, again, when we see guys with this much college work, I'm glad there's other running backs in that situation for the sake of the Indianapolis Colts. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens. Like they like you you know like you said, they have Naeem Hines, they have Mac. I mean, maybe Frank Reich might do some type of running back by committee, but it's unlikely. All right, good stuff. Now there is a new uh, new. America's favorite team in town, and that was going to be, I guess, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady, both added to the depth chart of a lot of offensive weapons. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, Cameron. You have too many tight ends, first of all. But (laughs) Ronald Jones and Daria Agumawale last season are added by two, not one, two rookie running backs in Kashawn Vaughn and Raymond Calais. Uh, I think Kashawn Vaughn is the one that we want to talk about today. Steve, we're going to throw it right back to you. Yeah, and and so Kashawn Vaughn was out of Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt was not a good team last year, but Kashawn Vaughn was the unquestioned bright spot of the team. You know, he is a player that just chugs. He just chugs his legs. He takes a hit. He bounces off of it, and he could still turn on the Jets. Like, the, the, um, I was watching. I was watching tape on his game from LSU, and it, you know, the the um, Vanderbilt was down. 59 59 to like 42 or something and Kashawn Vaughn just hits a hole and just runs he you know he just doesn't give up and he's also a fantastic pass catcher which we know is essential in a Tom Brady offense so you know Kashawn Vaughn he's my potential gem to look at in the fantasy world and uh and especially for dynasty and rookie drafts I'd be t- I'd be giving him his um glance as well Obviously, I guess you think he want, he's going to step right into that uh, kind of James White role. Um, now, Vanderbilt, although they are in the SEC, they went 6-7 and seven last season. It's worth noting that uh, Kashawn Vaughn moved from Illinois in the Big Ten his uh, sophomore to junior year to Vanderbilt in the SEC, and his numbers went up quite drastically. If you look uh, in his junior year, 157 rushing attempts. His freshman year, 157 rushing attempts. And his freshman year, 723 yards. Junior year, 1,244 yards. So big difference there. He did score over his last two seasons, 21 rushing yards and three uh, receiving touchdowns. But he only caught 66 passes in his entire college career. 
So I'm going to be talking about the Buffalo Bills and Devin Singletary and that he's not the winner here. He's I'm putting him in the loser category, and that's because the Bills drafted Zach Moss with their third-round pick, and he is the prototypical workhorse back for the Bills. Singletary, in my opinion now, he just becomes a third-down gadget slot receiving running back now who'll need to depend on targets from the passing game now to have fantasy value. Absolutely now. I think this one could have gone either way. I think... Uh... Zach Moss has kind of got to step into that Frank Gore role, and I'm I'm not going to quite put Devin Singletary as a loser per se, so I'm going to kind of disagree with that. I, I don't think unless you thought he was going to be the A number one lead back on this team. I mean, you have a quarterback who rushes the ball more than any of the running backs do, um, so he was only going to be A number two anyway. But here I think... Uh, you know, Frank Gore got touches last year and he wasn't bad when he got the ball in his hands. So yeah, I, I am interested in seeing how this plays out through the next, um, couple of weeks with, with the depth chart once, hopefully let's get these practices started first. Do you have any last words before you uh, finish up with our episode today? No, I, I mean, other than, other than, it, you know, I, I'm really interested to see what's going to be happening with the Packers backfield now, but that's going to be more of a, a next year thing rather than this year. So that's why, that's why I didn't bring up the Packers really. So oh, we have yeah. plenty to talk about Packers. Again, we're going to be going over uh, running backs with today. Next time we'll talk about wide receivers. Then we'll talk about quarterbacks and that'll kind of wrap up our draft effects little mini series here in the middle of a beautiful April no sports month. What are you going to do? Uh, guys, thanks for watching. This is ID Sports.